Good morning, everybody. Man, it's great to see all of you here. How are we doing today? All right, doing all right. Good. Good to see all of you online as well. I see you eating your breakfast and watching football simultaneously. No. As I always say, if you're doing that, your team's going to lose. I'm just saying. Amen. Um, but no, it's great to see all of you here. Um, I don't know if you, you realize it, but uh, this Thursday is Thanksgiving. Uh, my wife told me all the things I need to do on Thursday. I was like, what, what's Thursday? She's like, Thanksgiving. I'm like, oh, my God. It kind of snuck up on me, as, as I'm sure for many of us. But, you know, uh, we've been in this series entitled Beyond because we don't want to just stumble through the holiday season but be very intentional in it. Because, as we said from the very beginning, while the holiday season is a very joyous time for a lot of people, and it ought to be, it's also a very challenging time for a lot of people. You know, psychologists tell us that, you know, the holidays remind us of a lot of relational dysfunction, reminds us of things that we've lost over the years or the things that we don't have. And so we see substance abuse go up, domestic abuse goes up, suicide, all the things that are negative in society seems to peak during the holiday season. And so we wanted to remind ourselves that as we go through this joyous season, as it should be, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, amen, that we not just look to ourselves or look inward, but we look beyond ourselves at the people that God's placed in our lives. Because just as if you're a Christian today and you've received hope from Christ, it's not meant to be kept to ourselves. Can I hear an amen to that? But we're meant to give that hope and love away. And it's why this church exists. It's why we're here. And it's why I believe God left us here on this planet so that we can give love and hope away to other people, especially during this holiday season. And, you know, as we started the series and we started talking about this, just this past week, I had three different individuals tell me, or, or I heard from three different individuals, that three separate people that, are, that, that they know committed suicide just in the last couple of weeks. And maybe you know some of these people. But it just further reminds me, this is why we do what we do here. Amen. It's why church is important. It's why what we do as Christians out in the community is so important, to give love and hope away. Because I don't know about you, to me, that's just unacceptable. That someone would come to the place of feeling like there's no hope, there's no purpose in life, that the only option is that option. We need to give hope away. Can I hear an amen to that? So as we head into the holiday season, let's be a people that give God's hope, God's love away to people. Because you just never know what someone's going through. And, 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 and a couple of them told me, you, you'd never think. They seem like the happiest person. You just never know, amen? And maybe you're here this morning and God brought you here because you feel like that. Like you're at the end of your rope. Can I tell you, God's got a purpose and a plan for your life. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. You are here on purpose. And God has a plan and a purpose for you. And we're glad you're here. Because we'd love to be able to help walk you through whatever you're dealing with. And I want us to continue our series here this morning uh, by looking at this passage in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, and the title of our message is Living Beyond Our Walls. Because we need to live beyond the walls that we put up in our lives. Because there are people out there that need God's love. That need to be loved and encouraged and need hope. Just as all of us did at one point in time. And, and shoot, I still do from time to time. Amen. If we're honest, we all need God's love and hope no matter how long we've had it. Luke chapter 19, this passage, Jesus uh, is a scene of Jesus' encounter uh, with his disciples when he lived on the earth. And it says this, starting in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed the sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. 
When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. I just love this. Jesus just straight up invited himself over to this dude's house. Like, hey, what are you doing in the tree? I want to hang out with you today. I just love that, man. How many of you have ever done that? Just roll up on a stranger. Hey, I'm coming to your house today. That's probably not advisable, but anyway. Uh, verse 6. He came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Now watch this. All the people saw this and began to mutter. They began to grumble. They began to complain. He is gone to be the guest of a sinner, they said. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is God's word. Can we pray this morning as we begin? Father, we thank you so much for your word that reveals to us your heart for us, your love for us, your purpose for us. And God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would open up your word, that it would speak to our hearts for exactly where we are, exactly what we're going through, and how you want us to be your sons and daughters going forward. We thank you for your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a lot that we can unpack from this passage, but let me just kind of set it up by highlighting a few things. First of all, this is Jesus' encounter with a guy by the name of Zacchaeus, right? And it says in the text that he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Now, there's stuff that you got to know about that. First of all, tax collectors were a very hated group of people to the early Jews. Now, I don't think tax collectors are very popular today, neither. Um, so if you're a tax collector, God bless you. We love you. Um, God has a plan for your life, too. Um, but but in, their, in Jesus' day, they were... A very, there was a reviled group because the tax collectors were Jewish people who worked for the Roman imperial government, extorting taxes from the Jewish people. So you, they were like traitors. You know, you're working for the enemy, taking our money. It also says that he was very wealthy. And the only way that a tax collector could get very wealthy was not just by extorting taxes from the people, but extorting more than was necessary to line their own pockets. It also says he was a chief tax collector, meaning he was the leader of all the people that they hate. <laughs> I mean, the Jews so hated tax collectors, it was like a separate category of sinner. You, you were a sinner or you were a tax collector. It's like, you're here, tax collectors are here. It's like a whole other category of bad in their minds. And so Zacchaeus was that dude that if you saw him, you'd be like, dude, that, that's a bad dude. I don't want to be around that dude. We hate that dude. If anyone is unworthy, it's that dude. And that, that's who Zacchaeus was. But Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was coming, to, coming around, and he likely heard about Zacchaeus, uh, Jesus. And he said, man, I, I want to see if these claims are true. I want to see if what they say about this guy is for real. And so he comes to this, this large crowd, and he realizes he can't get through the crowd, so he finds a way to climb up a tree. And, you know, I think there's a lesson there in that, that there's always obstacles between us coming to Jesus. There's always a crowd. Have you ever noticed? It's like you're, you get busy. There's opposition, relational opposition, tension. There's always a crowd that we got to get past. But here's what I love. Zacchaeus didn't let the crowd stop him. He found a way. And maybe some of you today, you found your way to church. You don't know how you got here. Maybe you got tricked to be here. Someone promised to buy you brunch after. I don't know. But you're here. And I want to tell you something. Jesus notices that. He sees you in that tree. Maybe you don't know why you're up there. But Jesus says, I see you. And here's what I love. He wants to have a relationship with you. See, when he invited himself to Zacchaeus' house, it wasn't, you know, because, you know, he, he was hungry. He wanted someone to make him food. He was basically saying, I want to have a relationship with you. This notorious sinner that everyone in the crowd did not like and would have hated, Jesus says, I want to have a relationship with you. I just love that about God. Because sometimes we feel like there's no way God would want to have a relationship with me. 
after all that I've done in my past, or after all the stuff that goes on in my life, even right now, there's no way God would want to have a, a relationship with me. But here's what I love. Jesus says, no, no, I want to have a relationship with you. In fact, I'm coming to your house. And maybe you're here this morning, and I think you're, you're, those of you watching online, God is saying, I want to come to your house. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to eat with you. I want to be with you because I love you. Somebody here needs to hear that message. You walked in maybe feeling like, you know what, I don't belong here. I don't deserve to be here. God, Jesus says, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to come to your house. The question is, are you going to let him in? Are you going to let him into your house? But I love this. He invites himself to Zacchaeus' house. Zacchaeus is like, yeah, dude, come over, whatever. You know, We'll party in the backyard, whatever. Come over to my house. But notice what, happened, what the crowd responded. The crowd said, they began to mutter, they began to complain, they began to grumble. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Now, in this crowd, there was likely another group of people called the Pharisees. And if you're familiar with the Bible, you know the Pharisees were the religious leaders of that day. And they kind of had a holier-than-thou, self-righteous, not kind of, they did have a holier-than-thou, self-righteous attitude. They practiced the, the, the Jewish religion. They were, they were faithful and all that, and everybody else was less than and so they looked at this guy, Zacchaeus, and they said, he, why would Jesus go to his house? He's unworthy. We're the worthy ones. Why would he go to dine with that sinner? No, 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 no. We don't do that. We don't associate with people that are outside of our group and our community. And they began to mutter. See, the reality is this. I, I want us to see this contrast here in this text. Jesus goes to be the guest of a sinner. He wants to have a relationship with this notorious sinner. But the crowd, the religious in the crowd, began to mutter, saying he's unworthy. You know what I love? To Jesus, no one is unworthy. As long as you're alive, he wants to have a relationship with you. And if you're still breathing this morning, Jesus is inviting himself into your life, into your house, because he wants to have a relationship with you. He does, it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't matter how messed up even your present is. Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. Can I hear an amen to that? Turn to your neighbor tell him, Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. You say, oh, but pastor, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've done. And maybe that's what was going through Zacchaeus' mind. But here's the thing. Jesus knew exactly who he was, and he still wanted to have a relationship with him. Jesus knows exactly where you're at, and he still wants to have a relationship with you. But I want us to see this contrast between the heart of Christ that wants a relationship with a notorious sinner, with a, with a bad person, and the crowd that began to mutter and complain, thinking he was unworthy. See, here's a, here's a, here's a truth up on screen. We, as in people, tend to build walls between us and them. Whoever we determine us to be and whoever we determine them to be, our human nature, our broken, fallen, sinful nature creates this wall where we say, I'm worthy somehow, or we want to create this, this, this idea that I'm, I'm, I'm a certain thing, but they're different. We all do that. The Pharisees were doing that. And they had this, this idea back in the, the Second Temple period, which is when this was written, that we need to build a fence around the Torah. In other words, we want people to follow the, the word, so we're going to make it, have all these rules and all these things to keep people in. The problem is when we keep, you know, build a fence to keep people in, we're also keeping other people out. And that's what they were doing to Zacchaeus. No, he's not worthy. He's not in. He's not in. He's not in like us. And they created a fence. Here's what I love about Jesus. He loves to break down walls. He loves to tear down fences. And to be fair, it's not just religious people that build walls. Uh, during the pandemic, we saw this, right, between the pro-vax and the anti-vax. You're either in or you're out. Pro-mask or anti-mask, right? We do, the, we do this all the time, Republicans, Democrats, Cat people, dog people, you know what I'm saying? You're either in or you're out. People who like the cowboys and everybody else, right? Okay. That was a dig at some people. I, I walked down, there's a guy wearing a cowboy's t-shirt. He glared at me. No, nah, he didn't. He gave me a hug. 
because we don't build walls here, amen? Yeah, anyway, I got a couple of Cowboys on my fantasy team. I need them to do good today. So go Cowboys, all right, anyway. But the human heart, our broken, fallen heart, we, we like to create these divisions. And what I love about Jesus is he tears them down. He tears down these divisions. There's no us and them, there's just us. No one is better than anybody else. No one is more righteous than anybody else. No one is more deserving of God's love than anybody else because of what you do or don't do. In God's eyes, we're all the same. We're all sinners in reality in need of a savior, which is why Jesus came. See, the problem with the Pharisees is they thought because I do X, Y, or Z religious practices, I'm better and I don't need Jesus. But Jesus came to show, no, 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 everyone needs me. Everyone needs a savior. We're all lost. We're just lost in different ways. We're all broken. We're just all broken in different ways, right? If you drop a glass on the ground, you know, two times, it'll, it'll break differently. And we're all broken, but we're all broken different. And we all need Jesus, our savior, to put us back together. None of us are worthy in his eyes. All of us are unworthy, but yet he loves us anyway. I have three kids, and uh, at different times, those of you that have kids, you know this. Some kids are doing better than the other kids, yeah? Some kids are doing better in school than the other kids. Some kids are better doing their chores than the other kids. But we don't love the ones that aren't doing good any less. We might not like them as much in the moment, amen? Come on, somebody. But I still love you. You're still my kid. And I'm not going to now kick you out of the house because you're not getting A's on tests or you're not taking out the trash on a timely basis. I got to tell you 10 times a day to brush your teeth. I don't love you any less. I'm a little more frustrated, but I still love you. Amen. And I think that's how God's heart is with us. He doesn't love us any more or any less because of what we do or what we don't do. But he wants to have a relationship with us. And nothing will change that fact. And maybe some of you are here today feeling like, man, there's no way God wants me. No, no, he does. He wants a relationship with you. And we, if you're a Christian, we need to resist the temptation to become like the Pharisees. And think, well, because I go to church, I'm better than the people that don't. Or because I know X, Y, or Z, or do X, Y, or Z, I'm better than other people. Because that builds walls that Christ never wants us to build. He tears them down. And in this moment, the Pharisees are building these walls, wanting to keep a person like Zacchaeus out. But Jesus jumps over the wall, tears down the wall, and straight up invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. Because that's his heart. And if you read the New Testament, the bad guys aren't the people that are sinning. The bad guys in the New Testament are the religious people that are keeping other people out. Those are the ones that Jesus gets upset at. You know the scene where he flips over the tables? It wasn't because people were sinning. It was because they were keeping people out of the temple of God and being self-righteous and religious. And maybe some of you grew up in a religious environment where you were judged by the way that you dressed and you were judged by the way that you, whatever, the music that you listened to. And you were, you were told that if you don't change, God's not going to accept you. Man, Jesus loves to jump over those walls and just wants a relationship with us. Now, to be fair, we do need to change eventually, but it starts with a relationship. It doesn't precede a relationship. Jesus tears down walls and loves to unite us. Look at what Ephesians says. The Apostle Paul writes about this. He said, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. What brings us near to God is not our behavior. It's the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups, meaning Jew and Gentile, righteous or unrighteous, sinner, not sinner, cowboy fan, not cowboy fan, right, whatever. Whatever those groups are, he has made us one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in the flesh, in his flesh, the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away, peace to you who are near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. In other words, in God's eyes, there's only, there's, there's only us, and we all need Jesus, our Savior. 
to cleanse us of our sins. And, that's, and he invites us in, every single one of us, no matter what you've done, what you've been through. I love this about God, that we don't have to earn his love, amen? We don't have to deserve his love. We just need to receive it freely. Just as we've received God's love, we need to freely give that love away. Can I hear an amen to that? And so just as he accepts us, Jesus calls the church to go beyond our walls by loving and serving those on the outside. See, what the Pharisees got wrong is they thought God was only for them because they were the right people. They did the right thing. They believed the right stuff. They did the right stuff. That's where they got it wrong. And they kept built walls to keep other people out. Jesus says, no, 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 we all need him. And therefore, we need to go beyond our walls to love and embrace people who are out, who may be on the outside, who don't know about his love. We need to love and serve them so that they can know his love as well. Look at what he said in Matthew chapter 5. You are the light of the world, Jesus said. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is his heart for his people. We receive his love and his light, and we shine his love and his light out to people that don't yet know it, don't yet have it. Rather than building walls, we tear them down so that people that don't know him can come in. That's why we do what we do here at Pearlside. It's why this church was planted, not just for the people on the inside, but so that we can love people in other communities. It's why we plant churches. It's why we do what we do. You know, over uh, during the pandemic, we started a, a program called Pearlside Cares, and many of you have been a part of that. And, uh, you know, we, we said, you know, we, we, we want to be a light to our community. How do we do that? And so we did a bunch of different things, and I just want to share some of it because this is what you did. This is what we did together. Uh, we started an electronic, we called it Electronics for Education. And uh, we were able to serve nine schools in our area. We raised just under $50,000. Thank you to all of you who gave. We delivered 281 Chromebooks and other necessary equipment to students that couldn't afford it. And you know what? To, to us, it wasn't just about, you know, we want to we wanna help kids get an education. We want to show you that you matter. You matter to God. You matter to us. And you matter to him. And, you know, nothing breaks my heart more than when people feel like I don't matter. Because that's not true. You matter. Amen. And something like something small and tangible can tell somebody, no, you matter to me and you matter to God. So thank you, ProSide, for that. We also uh, did a school supply drive, and we, we packed 1,400 backpacks. We filled 1,400 backpacks with, with supplies to give to kids, again, that were in need. We had a toy drive, and we collected over 7,000 toys and donated them to families. Because how many of you know to a kid, a toy makes them feel like they matter? Yeah? And we wanted to make sure that kids felt like they mattered to people and they mattered to God. We had a blood drive, and we partnered with the, the, the blood bank. We hosted seven blood drives. And some of you literally gave your blood for others, so God bless you. 308 pints of blood were collected, uh, potentially saving 954 lives. We partnered with the food bank and did a food drive, raised over $80,000. You guys did that. And uh, th over 33,000 pounds of food were delivered to Hawaii families. And then we started doing a food distribution right, right out here. Served over 3,736 households, 15,831 people, and we were able to pray for over 1,200 people. You did that. We did that together. Now, why did we do this? Because we just want to, hey, look how, look how you know, altruistic we are. No, because we want to show people in our community, no, you matter. You matter to God, and you matter to us. That's why we do that. We also have an ongoing thing, so a couple ongoing things that we're doing, and I want to show you this because most of us don't know. Uh, our team does a tutoring program for underprivileged kids, and uh, anywhere from 10 to uh, 15 to 20 uh, kids come every week and get help from, from many of you. We do a thing down at Blaisdell Park, caring for over 30 individuals. 
and we're helping, and we help to get. Pastor Camille told me this: one to two people off the month, uh, a month off the streets, and into homes and into jobs. And that's really the win. We don't just want to put food. We want to help people get on their feet. Can I hear an amen to that? And again, we want to show people that they matter. This fall, we're going to start an Adopt an Ohana campaign. And we have already 210 families that we're going to serve. And thank you in advance for those of you that are going to help with that. But we want to show in a very tangible, real way that you matter to God. Like Zacchaeus, you matter. I see you in that tree. And I want to help you. I want to have a relationship with you. See, we can do these practical things, and this is what our church does to show people that they matter. That's why we plant churches in other communities, so that we can do more stuff like this in communities. But the church is not just an organization, amen? The Bible says the church is us, you and me. Wherever we go, we are the church. And as we head through these holiday season, we need to think about, okay, God, how are you calling me to live beyond myself, to show the people around me that they matter? The Zacchaeuses, maybe, that feel like they don't matter to God or they're unworthy. How can we show them that they matter? We need to take ownership of the people in our lives and not to say, well, I'm glad my church is doing something. No, 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 I am the church. So how is God calling me to go beyond in this season? Because all of us have Zacchaeuses in our lives. All of us have people in our lives that are lost and broken and hurting and are in need of love. And, you know, sometimes we say, you know, I can't do this. I don't have time. You know, I'm too busy. You know, I'm going through stuff myself. You know, I remember when I was uh, going through a really rough season with our, our son's health for about three years. That was my excuse. I said, you know what? I, I, I'm going through stuff. I need help. I don't have time to help anybody else. But here's what I found. The more that I gave away to other people, the Lord filled me back up. The more that I served others, the Lord encouraged me during that time. And maybe you're in that place right now. You're saying, man, I'm broken. I'm going through stuff. As you give away, the Lord pours back into you. It's like a pitcher. You pour out, God pours back in. I heard this story recently. Someone shared this with me. And I think it kind of illustrates this. Uh, during a university lecture, a professor gave a balloon to every student. They had to inflate them, write their names on the balloon, and throw them in the hallway outside the lecture theater. Students were puzzled. Then the professor then mixed all the balloons together, and the students were given five minutes, I think we have a picture, five minutes to find their own balloon. And during a hectic search, no surprise, no one was able to find their own balloon. That's not the balloons. Anyway, imagine a hallway full of balloons, all right? Anyway. Everyone couldn't, they, they're having a hard time finding their own balloons because there were so many of them. <clears throat> the professor then changed it. He said, rather than looking for your own balloon, find the, 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 pick up a balloon and find the person whose name is written on it and give it to that person. And within minutes, all the balloons were found and given to the person that owned them. See, sometimes we can get so caught up just trying to find our own balloon. How do I find my own happiness? How do I find my own fulfillment? How do I find my own purpose? And we're just digging through this, this crowded hallway trying to find what's ours. But what if we find someone else's and help them? And then every one of us does that. Everyone found their balloon in no time. And sometimes we get so caught up just trying to live for ourselves to find our own fulfillment, find our own happiness, to satisfy that need in our soul. But what if we just help the person that's next to us, the Zacchaeus that's in our, in our, in our path? And if we all did that, collectively, we would all find our own balloon, metaphorically speaking. And now is the time God is calling us to go beyond our walls. Like I said, the holiday season is a difficult time for people. Many of you know, maybe you're in that place. You're going to go to Thanksgiving on Thursday, and you're like, oh, man, I don't want to see that person. <laughs> oh, man, I don't know if I want to be around that. You know, can we make an excuse? <clears throat> I feel sick. I think I have COVID. You know, I'm going to stay home, right? I mean, because, because it's, a difficult, it's a difficult time for a lot of people. But what if God has placed us there because there's a Zacchaeus there that needs your love and encouragement? What if we go there this time with a different mentality, a different attitude? I want to look for maybe a niece or nephew that needs encouragement, my auntie, my uncle that needs encouragement because we don't know where they're at in their season of life. 
And maybe God's placed us there, called us to be in these relationships for a reason. I don't want to go to work tomorrow because that person's going to be there. But what if God placed you there to be a blessing to that person because they're going through something? Now is the time to go beyond our walls. And we're calling ProSide Church, all of us, not to just be thinking about ourselves, but about the people that God's placed around us. It's why we're here. It's why Jesus calls us to follow him. He said in, in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, the famous Great Commission, he said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. It's not about you. It's not about us and just finding our happiness. It's about making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. It's why we're here, to be a source of light and hope and love to the people that God's placed all around us. Who's that person in your life right now? Maybe it's that Zacchaeus. You say, man, that person ain't worthy. Here's what I found. The people that seem the most unlikely are the ones that need God the most. And they're often the ones that are most open. But what are, are we going to walk past them? Are we going to keep them out? Are we going to mutter and complain? Or are we going to be like Jesus and invite ourselves into a relationship with them? And to help me illustrate this message and to, to bring this message home, I have a, a guy in my small group. We were just talking about this, and I said, man, you got to share uh, your story with everyone. So will you help me welcome to the stage my buddy Nick Mita. Come on up, Nick. Thank you. Round two, buddy. Thank you for being here and doing this with us. Now, Nick... Um, I'll tell you just a little bit about Nick. Nick has been, we've been, we've been friends now for several years. Um, he leads two small groups here, one, one at his workplace, one, one, one here. Um, he serves in our kids' church on Friday nights. He also helps host on Friday night now. That's new. Um, and I know that's, that was scary. He said, oh, yeah, people are going to come to church just to see if I pass out. I said, yeah, that'd be fun, you know. Um, that's always entertaining. Anyway, he also coaches baseball. He's a busy, uh, busy insurance, uh, works in the insurance industry. And um, uh, he was also a professional surfer back in the day, not that far back. But uh, we have a picture of, of your family. Go ahead and throw up that picture of Nick's family. That's not Nick's family. That's, that's Nick doing his thing. That's not Nick's family. There they are. Tell us a little bit about these beautiful people. So, so that's my rock right there. That's, that's, that's my family. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how this happened. <laughs> I didn't cry like this the last time. Corey, that's my wife, Corey. God bless her for dealing with me. My uh, little one, Ava and Canaan. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And uh, you can cycle through the pictures of, of, of Nick doing his thing. That's, that's, tell us about this picture real quick. So this is every little kid's dream come true if you grew up in the 90s when they had magazines. But that's a billboard in Japan. And uh, that's, that's somehow they put my ugly mug up there. Um, dream come true. Dream country. So you, you were on tour in Japan, bunch of sponsors, and that's a big poster with you on it. And I think this, we got some other pictures of you uh, surfing. See, my back hurts just looking at that picture. Um, and, uh, but yeah, man. So oh, there you are. You're on a magazine. Look at that, man. Good stuff, buddy. You know, in your, you, you were sharing in small group just, you know, your heart and why you do what you do. You know, I'm, I'm, I was amazed. My wife and I were just talking about this last night. Like, Nick said, Friday night, he, now he's going to speak on Sunday morning. He's doing all this kind of stuff, serving. Why do you do all that? I mean, leading two small groups, coaching baseball, <laughs> helping these kids. Like, what motivates you to go beyond yourself? Because you're busy. I know you're up early, you're working late, but you make time for this. Why, why, what motivates you to make time and go beyond for other people? So, uh, I grew up. In Kaimaki, going to Catholic school, I uh, went to St. Patrick's, went to Marinol, you know, so I, I went to religion class, 12 years, 
uh, I knew God. I, I knew God. I knew Jesus. I knew Mary. I know the stations of the cross. I know the story. Um, but um, I didn't know, you know, I didn't have a relationship with him. I knew to pray when I needed to. I didn't go to service. Um, but I knew he was there. And I thought, I'm, I'm good. I, I don't need to go to church. I knew everything. Um, fast forward to uh, April 24, 2017. So, <laughs> um, and this is Bear with me. Um, the little one, Ava, that was when she was born. Uh, and my, we went in for a scheduled C-section. Um, and she, um, everything went well with the C-section. And we were in the recovery room, and, and my wife had complications. Um, and we were in there for a while. She kept saying, I'm uncomfortable. I'm puking. She's puking blood all over the place. I'm a paranoid person, so I know things aren't good. Um, and her blood pressure was like 60 over 40. Um, and you can see in the picture, thank you, Corey, for letting us show this, but this is her worst moment. If you look at her lips, they're white. Her whole face is pale. Um, and we were in there for a couple hours. Um, the doctor came in, and they were coming in and out, and they touched her stomach, and it was, it was like a water bed. There was water. It was, he knew that she was bleeding internally. So they grabbed her. The guy's screaming, rushing her down the hall. Um, she lost four pints of blood, uh, and <laughs> sorry. So she, the doctor's rushing her down the hall, and um, he's the nurse is like, "Hey, the the, the plugs, you know." Um, he said, "And I might be dramatic, but I swear he swore like rip the things out of the wall." And he they sprinted down the hall with her. And I'm holding my little Ava, um, and the nurse turns around. And she looked at me, and she was, <laughs> sorry, she looked like she was going to cry. And I knew, that's it. It's done. I'm going home as three. My, my wife's gone. Um, I knew it's not in my hands. There's nothing I could do. Um, and I, I started going through scenarios, like telling my five-year-old, mommy's gone. And just how am I going to help him to deal with that hurt, you know? Um, my daughter, sorry, on a butter. Um, my daughter just not having a mom and going through that, me going through everything in life without her, she's my rock, you know, and I have an image in my head, I still do, and that's why I don't like to share this story. It brings me back to that place of how broken and how dark and alone I was, um, and I had this image in my head where I walked through the door with my little newborn car seat in one hand, holding my son in the other, and he's bawling. We don't got mommy, man. We're coming home as three, and I'm bawling too, and you know, that's not how it's supposed to be, God, and I just, there's only one thing I do. Thank God I went to, you know, I knew about God, but I, I sat in that room just like that, and I probably freaked everybody out because I was praying hard. God, don't. Don't let me go home as three. This has to be four. I'll do whatever it takes, God, please. You know, and I, I prayed hard for the whole hour, two hours she was in there. I, you know, and I realized in that moment, I only ask you for things. I only put my hand out there um, and ask you. I don't have a relationship with you, and that needs to change. I understand that, but please bring her back. Bring her back. Don't, don't let her, you know, please. Obviously, she's... You know, fast forward, she's, she's okay. She came back. As soon as I saw her, gave her a huge hug. They said, hey, she's stable. Um, 
I, I gave her a hug. I was crying. And she goes, what, you thought I was going to die or something? <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. She's like, you're being dramatic again, you know. I'm a drama queen. And the, the, the nurse immediately looked immediately looked at her and she's like sister you were on your way out you know um and so yeah I knew at that point we had to make a change um we started looking for churches and we had a good friend Lance he introduced us to ProSide uh fell in love with the church made our first step to go to small group wasn't easy um now we serve you know and and that simple change of coming keeps us on track going to church going to service Going to small group twice a week, we stay on track, and it's easy to get off that track because life's not easy. I wish I could say that we come to church now and it's unicorns and rainbows, but it's not. We're going to go through things. We're going to go through financial things and health things and um, relationship things, but now I know how to deal with it. Now I know how to deal with it, and I know God's got my back, um, and it's a huge, huge difference coming to church. Man, that's so awesome, and praise God for healing Corey. Amen. Wow. You know, and, and that experience that you went through really motivates why you go beyond yourself today. Tell us about that because you're coaching baseball. You're, you're helping people in the small group. I mean, you're trying to make a difference in people's lives. Tell us a little bit about that. So, um, you know, when you go through something like that, uh, when you're alone and you're dark and whatever it is, relationship, money, um, health, you, you, you feel alone and you're dark. It, it's dark. Like nobody knows. Nobody can help me. I'm stuck. I'm, nobody knows. Even your closest friends, your family. And you need to, um, I felt that. I had empathy. And, and now I know when I see people like that or even a glimpse of that because they're hiding it, I try to make myself know that I'm there for them. Like, bro, like, hey, what's up? Like, you know, they say something. Like, no, tell me about it, you know. And I try to be there for them. And, and, and let them know I'm there. And I say, hey, I pray for you. I'm going to pray for you tonight. Uh, yeah, you know, everybody prays for me. But that night, I'll text them. I said your name tonight, you know, just so they know I meant it. I was intentional about it, you know. It, it's, it took five minutes out of my day, but it might mean the world to that person because I know what it's like when you're in that dark place. Yeah. So with coaching, you see God using you in that. Talk about that. So when I, uh, when I grew up surfing, um, I started at 16 years old which is really, really late, um, and people are getting contracts by then. I've, you know, it was a dream to be a pro surfer. It's still, I still can't believe I did it, but my mom and dad and, and stepmom, stepdad, they, they pushed me and said, why not? You, that's what you want to do? You just got to work hard. I'll work your old cole off, believe in yourself, and do it. Everybody told me, no, you got to go to college. You got to go get your degree. You got to go, go be a sales rep. You know, go, go do something else. Go work in the store. But they had that push. They believed in me. With all the no's, there was one or two yeses that helped me believe in me. And, and um, God had it in his plans for that. And I fast forward to today, today, to today. I know God made me a head coach for a reason. Um, even though it's tough and dramatic and a thankless job. I want to make every single kid know they can believe in their dreams. Like, ain't nobody telling you they're too, you're too short, you're too slow, you're too you know, whatever. You can't do it. You started too late. I tell them, hey, look, you work your old cole off, you can do it. God's got your back. I believe in you. You're making it to the major league. You just need to put in the work. I got you. Because God believed in me. I want them to know that God has a plan for them. And nobody's going to stop them but God. They can do it. And that's what I want to, I want them to, I want to be that person that believes in them. Because they got so many obstacles already. I want them to know I got their back. 
and even with you know your job, God's given you opportunities to in- encourage some people there. Yeah, so I'm an insurance guy, so I'm like Zacchaeus. I'm the tax collector. Nobody likes me. <laughs> I don't like, nobody likes ins- insurance guys, you know. Um, and so I have, got, I have one uh, client that would constantly swear at me and, you know, get mad at me like I'm a tax collector. And um, one day, I usually get, def- as we all do when somebody swears at you, you're not like, hey, how you doing? You know, you get mad and defensive. For one, I don't know why God put it in my heart, but he said, hey, this guy's going through something. So I, I kept telling him, let's go to lunch. Um, and he goes, what? Go to lunch? Bruh, just make my insurance premiums better, okay? Don't worry about lunch. <laughs> and so I kept pushing, pushing. And one day, he comes up to me, and he's like, hey, like, can I talk to you? And if I come to find out, he's hurting. He has nobody else to go to. He's dealing with just getting diagnosed with cancer. So he's getting, having to go through all of these things. He's having to, um, you know, and I, I, I said, hey, I'm going to stay with you every step of the way. And he th- probably thought I was crazy, but I, I text him every time he has an appointment. I put it in my reminders. I make sure I'm intentional that I got his back. I pray for you every night, brother, every single night, you know. And, and today he's, he's doing well. Um, you know, he, it, it helps. He said, from swearing at me, he now texts me like, you touch my heart, you know, and it, it just, feeling that empathy for that person, it wasn't hard. Yeah. You know, what I loved about this, and the reason why I really wanted Nick to share, because I, I really just have it in my mind, man, what if everyone did that? You know what I mean? To the person that's cussing you out, you know, the angry customer, client, coworker. What if we were able to just pause and say, man, you must be going through something. Maybe you don't say that out loud, but you know, you must be going through something, and how can I encourage you? How can I pray for you? How can I support you? The world would be a different place, say, man, if we all did that. Rather than fighting fire with fire and emotion with emotion, what if we realize, man, you're going through something. I want to love you. I want to, how can I encourage you? How can I support you through this? This world would be a different place. And I kind of feel like that's where we are. God is calling us as, as the church to be that light, to bring hope, because we don't know what people are going through. And I thought that was just such a powerful, powerful example, Nick. I mean, you know, how do you make time for this? Because you're a busy guy. I know that. Uh, but yet you make time. Yeah, so... Um I am. It's 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 tough, uh, you know. And but just bringing it back to when I where I was in that spot with my wife, uh, and I was in that dark place. I I know how important it was to have God there by my side, and I knew what it's like to have somebody get your back. So um, you gotta make time for what's important. You know, five minutes a day might be five minutes of your day that you don't want to deal with, but it might mean the world to the other person on the other side. Mm. You know, it. it I, I tell you. Um, you might not see the reward till right after, but eventually that person might come back and say, thank you, man. You don't even know how much those prayers mean, you know. Uh, I recently, I had some kids, sorry. <laughs> Again, drama queen. So I had, some, <laughs> I had some kids come back to me and um, the parents told me. And it means the world to me because these kids, I love them all. Um, and they said, hey, like, you know, my, uh, he's, the school asked for a positive mentor. And they're like, you know, I'm not trying to boast about myself, but. They said that they mentioned you. And they said, why? Why is Coach Nick, like, you know, how come you think about it? He's, he's positive. He believes in me. It meant the world to me. I almost cried, you know. Of course, cry all the time. But <laughs> just, just that, like, that felt so good. And just to know that I'm there and I believe in him. Man, I want to watch him on TV. I want to watch all my kids on TV one day. And I want to tell all the uncles, I told you so, you know. I want to tell them because they worked their butt off for it. Give us a parting encouragement. You know, how would you encourage us during this season to live beyond ourselves for the people in our lives? So, so just like, like you guys, um, people will pop up 
I'm, I'm, people will pop up in my head, you know, randomly. I'll just, old school friends, old surf buddies, old people from wherever, you know. God put them in your head for a reason, you know. And, and now I don't take it for granted. Just like those three kids, those the three guys that, you know, did, did themselves in you. You want to make sure you're there for them. And now when those people pop in my head, I don't want to regret not doing anything. So I text them, what's up? How you doing? How's things going? How's the family, you know. And that little thing might lead to something. I recently have like a few friends going through stuff and my prayers are long but it's worth it you know and I text them back so they know I thought about them and I said their name I let them know I thought about you and it hopefully it helps you know guy got your back God got your back yeah thank you Nick for going above and beyond for other people and thank you for sharing and getting emotional this morning and being a drama queen we appreciate that buddy God bless you how about a hand for Nick You know, as we close this morning, I want to leave us with that thought. You know, if God drops a name, a person, a face in your mind, reach out to them. Because you don't know what that person might be going through. And if every single one of us just took that step for one person, we don't have to save the whole world. But if we can just help one person find their balloon, it can make a huge difference. Amen. And if we all did that collectively together, this world would be a different place. But all too often, we're just living within our own walls. And we put up all these walls around us and other people. But what if we took the time? to be a blessing to somebody else. We can make a world of a difference here and an eternal difference for somebody that we don't even realize the impact that we're making. You know, as, as Nick said, um, if, if God puts a name or face in your, in your mind, go and reach out to them. You know, I had one of the people that uh, told me about a friend that committed suicide. He told me that I was thinking about him. I should have called him. I was thinking about him, but I didn't. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, we just had this conversation in small group. I think the Lord is speaking to all of us. If someone pops in your head, just reach out. What's it going to cost? Not much. But it could make an eternal difference in someone's life. Amen. It may not be suicide. Maybe they're just going through a hard time and they need encouragement. Maybe their marriage is challenged right now and they need someone to help talk them through some stuff. Maybe they're just going through some financial challenges and need to know that someone's there for them, right? We don't know. It doesn't have to be super severe, but, but God calls us to love and serve. So we got to take those steps of faith, amen, especially in this season where we know it's challenging. Amen. Can we be a church that shines his light to the people God's placed in our lives? Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word that challenges us. We thank you for examples like Nick that reminds us that this is possible no matter how busy we are. And God, we, may we be a people that don't just live within our walls, but that intentionally goes beyond the walls to love and to serve the Zacchaeuses that you've placed in our lives. Father, we pray that you would put names and faces in our hearts and our minds that we can love and encourage, especially in this season. God, that we might bring hope and light to somebody that needs it. Thank you for loving us first. Help us to give that love away just as you've freely given it to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.